Man, this is like the twilight zone up here. Uh, I'm so, so, so honored to be here tonight. But before we get into what God has given me to tell us tonight, um, I just wanted to open up the floor for giving. Um, we believe very strongly in partnering with God to see his kingdom come on earth. And part of that is giving of what we have. Um, if you are not part of the harbor, don't feel any pressure to give. But please take a little peek in these buckets that are being passed around because there's a connection card. So if you don't call Harbor home, but you want to get connected, we want to know you. So go ahead and take one of those out. There should be pens in there too. And go ahead and fill them out so we can get to know you because we're really glad that you're here. There's five ways to give um, by text, online, mobile app, black box, offering bucket. Um, I prefer text just because it's so easy. You just text the amount and you get a little notification back within seconds that that it's received. So give me one second here. I never teach off of a, off of technology. I always have paper. Oh, I hope I can see you. So (laughs) this will be my first time using this. Um, And there's something to be said about having the physical word of God with you. So I'm just going to leave this open. All right. Um, Firstly, I just want to say thank you and honor the leadership of the harbor. Darren, Wendy, Julie. There is something so amazing about the fact that this is not a house that is interested in raising up one person. This is a house that believes in (laughs) empowering God because we are all called and we are in a place to equip everybody to bring the gospel to every edge of the earth. So I just want to thank you so much. Thank you for always being a place to empower men and women alike in their giftings and their callings to see the gospel go forth. I'm so thankful. So, so thankful. Um, Part of the reason that I'm just so honored, and this is such a big deal for me to be speaking on this platform for the first time, is because I have such a rich history with Jesus on Friday nights. You know, there's, if the carpet wasn't clean so often, there'd probably be a big Haley-sized stain over there from all my tears and snot and all the good stuff of Jesus encountering me in my deepest need and pain. And God thinks of everything because even the fact that I'm here on a November 1st, there's always been so much um, depth with Jesus in this particular season. So he really does think of everything. Tonight, I was asked to speak about Jesus, and I just want to apologize in advance if I'm a little, if I get a little bit of a mess. What Spencer said, I'm so touched that you would say that about me, because that's my highest goal in life is to be a friend like Jesus is a friend. And tonight, as I was preparing for what do I say about you, Jesus, help me narrow it down, because I could be up here for 10,000 years, Um, specifically the finished work of the cross. And there's so much, so much that Jesus has accomplished on the cross. But it all boils down to one thing. All boils down to one thing. And that's that he did it all to restore friendship between you and God friendship between you and God. So 
So from the very beginning, God's plan was always to be intimate in friendship with us, right? Before sin even entered the picture, he walked with Adam and Eve in the garden. He walked side by side in the cool of the day. Sounds so nice, especially right now in October. It's so hot. Goodness. And as I'm talking to God, I'm dialoguing with Holy Spirit about our relationship with him and exactly what Jesus restored to us. He said something that almost felt a little scandalous. And he said that the most important relationship you can have with me is friendship above all else. I was like, oh, okay, really? Well, I'm going to need some scripture because I know some people are going to be a little, woo, really? But he's Lord. Yes, of course he is. But listen to the very words of Jesus. And we're going to come back to the scripture a lot. John 15, 13. He said, there is no greater love. No greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. No greater love. You mean it's a greater love to lay down your life for a friend than a mother has for their child? Right? Than you might have for a sibling? What did Jesus mean when he said this? Okay? Well, we have to know what friendship is, right? And I believe tonight that Well, I know we've all come into this place with different ideas of what it means to be a good friend, right? Some of us have been extremely wounded by friends. Some of us may have been the friend doing the wounding, right? None of us are perfect. And I believe that lies about friendship in general and friendship with God are going to fall off tonight. So when Jesus said this, there's no greater love than laying down one's life for one's friends. He was foretelling what he was about to do. And he was letting us know that he was doing it as our friend. So what is friend? Okay. So the Greek word for friend, it means someone dearly loved and prized in a personal, intimate way, a trusted confidant held dear in a close bond of personal affection. And the root of that word, philos, It conveys very specifically experiential love. Experiential love. It has to be experienced on an intimate, deep, personal level, or it's not friendship, right? And we have all different levels of friendship, and that's totally fine. We have acquaintances, we have an outer circle, we have our inner circle, and then we have the friend of our heart, the friends that know us deeply, right? This is the type of friendship that Jesus was talking about when he said that there's no greater love. So why is friendship the greatest love? There's a few reasons. One is that friendship is the only relationship that can be found within every other relationship. Think about it. Talk to anybody who's been married for some time, and they'll tell you that marriage is only sustained by a deep friendship, right? As children grow and become adults, they can become friends with their parents. You can be friends with your siblings. You can be even friends with a boss, friends with coworkers, right? Friends with extended family. That is always God's goal. Because if we're looking at God's definition of friendship, it's that deep, intimate, confidant, experiential love. 
Another reason that friendship is the greatest type of love is because it's the only relationship that meets us as equals. It meets us as peers. It meets us on the same level. There's no hierarchy there, right? There's mutual submission and love to one another. There's honoring each other. There's respect. There's no judgment. There's no one higher than the other. I And the biggest one tonight, I believe this is for somebody very specific in here. Maybe many people, but I felt this. Friendship is the relationship you choose. Jesus was saying, I am laying down my life out of love as a choice. Guess what? The father didn't force him. He didn't feel obligated. He does not feel obligated to love you. He was not like... I mean, we, we know the scripture of Jesus saying, you know, um, take this cup from me, but your will, right? It's not because he was unwilling to lay down. It's because he was human, right? Somebody needs to know that tonight. He was not forced to die for you. He wasn't dragging his feet. He was choosing to do it as a friend. He's not obligated. And I believe that's why one of the many reasons that God came in flesh And why he's saying there's no greater love than laying down your life for a friend because it's fully chosen. You didn't get to choose your relatives, am I right? (laughs) Hope nobody that I'm related to hears that. (laughs) But you don't get to choose your relatives. You get to choose your friends. Hmm. Sorry, my computer keeps asking me to connect to the internet. Nope. So as I stand up here before you today, I am right in the thick of this, okay? I have had a really hard year and a half to two years, if I'm fully honest. I have experienced a lot of feelings that I think there's a lot of us that that can relate to this in this room tonight. Feeling unwanted and not valued, Like, my voice doesn't matter. Like, what I have to say doesn't matter. Like, my emotions, my feelings are a burden, and they don't matter. I've experienced a lot of frustration and anger, even frustration with God for putting me where I currently am, because I know that I am where I'm supposed to be, and it's it's not all glitter and rainbows. I'm an eighth grade teacher, by the way, if that helps paint a better picture for you. Coming out of the end of last school year, I entered into a season of recovery that felt a lot more like just more beatings. Because how many of you know that healing can be really painful, right? Anybody ever poured antiseptic into a wound? It does not feel good. It doesn't feel good. And then just as I was trying to recover from that, a season of transition, of being tired, and now where I find myself if I'm honest, a feeling of deep loneliness because I just said goodbye to two of my very best friends who moved away. And as I'm talking with Jesus about this friendship thing, I've realized, wow, my relationship with you has suffered. I I didn't even realize how much it was suffering because I had given myself too much permission to numb out and check out. Can anybody relate? And listen, there's a time and place to give yourself a break. You're only human. But when it's onslaught after onslaught after onslaught, sometimes 
We're just so tired that we just want to stop. We just want to give up. Now, I was choosing to numb out because of fear of feeling pain, and I think we can all relate to that. But for me, and maybe even some of you, it went so much deeper than that. It was fear that God would not meet me and hold me in that pain. That if I let myself feel it too much, I was gone. Forget it. I would spiral. I wouldn't be able to come back. And he certainly wouldn't hold me there. So as I'm talking to God and and getting this revelation of, wow, I've been feeling so disconnected from you emotionally. And I asked him why. Why, why this disconnect? Because I know you're there, and, and I can feel you, but there's almost a wall. And he said, Haley, you can't disconnect from your heart without disconnecting from me. You can't disconnect from your inner self without disconnecting from me on some level, because that's where I live now. He lives in you. And the Bible actually warns us about living disconnected. Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Now, when we hear that word guard, and I've heard this um, taught also, that guard, it means, you know, stand in front of your heart, don't let anything bad in, right? And don't let anything out, right? But that word for guard actually just means to diligently watch. We need to be diligently paying attention, to our hearts, because it's going to come out whether you want it to or not, right? Everything we do flows from it. That's what the Bible says. So we need to diligently pay attention because our heart affects everything. And I was not diligently paying attention. I was tired of diligently paying attention because it hurt. And I was beat down and I was tired. We tend to run from God and our, our pain and our disappointment, and our fear, and our our anxiety, I mean, fill in the blank, right? And we do it because of a fear of pain, but we also do it because we don't fully believe that God is our friend. So what are the qualities of a great friend? I was thinking about this. I'm like, okay, God, you are... I want everybody to do this, okay? Picture in your mind the best friend you have or the best friendship you've ever seen, okay? Everybody got something? Now multiply it times a gazillion, billion, trillion and subtract all the bad stuff. And that doesn't even touch what kind of friend Jesus is. So I was like, okay, what are the qualities of a real, true, good friend? And there's so many, but he narrowed it down for me. True friends comfort us and join us in our pain, and they consider it an honor and joy to do it, not a burden. How many of us have experienced friendships that are not quite like that? Right? Maybe made us feel like, our emotions don't matter, or they're a burden, or they're too much, right? Not Jesus. True friendship 
that type of friendship is not formed in the high places, the good times. It's formed in the lows, in the trenches, in the pain, in the disappointments, in the hurts, in the failures. Why? Because it's in those places that you learn they're trustworthy. And that you are safe with them. Jesus wants to share in your sufferings so that you can know that he is trustworthy and he is safe. He's not always looking for blind faith, believe it or not, right? That is part of our journey. We're not always going to know what's going on. And sometimes he's just going to ask us, just believe me, okay? I know you don't see it, but just believe me, right? But 1 Peter 5.7 says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you, okay? This is trust. He wants you to learn that he is trustworthy. That word for cast, some translations say give, give him all your cares, right? But that's, no, cast, like throw them. Have you ever like hung out with a friend and you were just like, Bleh, this is what's going on in my life. Ugh, today sucked or this person hurt me. I'm so mad, Bleh, right? And it's just like, Bleh. That's what that word means. That's what Jesus wants from you. It's not irreverent. It's not irreverent to come and cast, throw all of your cares, your worries, your anxieties, your fears on him. And that word for cares doesn't mean like, oh, poor baby, I'm so sorry. That word cares in the original Greek means very concerned and taking special interest. That's a good friend. You ever been with a friend and you just want to vent and they just like feign interest, they're kind of annoyed, right? But then you've been with a friend and they're like, no, tell me. Tell me everything. I want to know. I'm deeply concerned and I'm taking a special interest in you. That's friendship with Jesus. That's what he wants. Your feelings are not a burden to him. Now, with everything in the kingdom of God, there's balance. And he doesn't want you to stay in that sulky place, right? But how are you supposed to get out of it if you don't get it out of you? That was good. (laughs) I didn't have that written down. Yay. (laughs) All right, this is a big one. An aspect of a true friend. A true friend is someone who seeks first to understand, not to fix. Mm. Seeks first to understand, not to fix. We all know those people, right, who... You just want to share. And they're like, oh, well, you can do this and you can do that. And let me solve all your problems. And it's like, dude, I just trying to tell you what's up, right? Maybe we've been that friend. Okay? But Jesus is not that friend. Jesus' primary goal is to understand and be your friend, not to fix. Yes, he wants transformation. But what does the Bible say about you transforming? It's only by his kindness. It is only by the kindness of God that we are led to repent or to change the way we think and act. That comes second. And it comes as a natural result of, right? Why? Because you know that you can trust him, that he's safe. 
In the garden, God's primary goal was connection. Yes, things got all messed up. And there is definitely, there's redemption that was needed and transformation that was needed. But his goal has not changed. He just wants you. He wants you just as you are. And the change will come. But he wants your heart first. My most profound life-changing moments with Jesus, many of them happened right in my little corner over there over the years. I've been at the harbor for a little over 10 years now, um, just for a little bit of perspective. But um, my most life-changing moments with Jesus was not when he was giving me answers, not when he was giving me a blueprint or a map or telling me what was to come or where to go. It was when he was just with me just with me when no one else was, when no one else understood or could access that part of my heart, he was in the trenches with me while the bombs of life were dropping. And he wasn't trying to fix it. He was just trying to be with me. Psalm seventy-three twenty-eight says, the nearness of God is my highest good. Not the fixing of God, the nearness. The nearness of God. There is nothing better than his presence. can be nothing. Every answer to every question can be found in his presence, but first the comfort for your heart. See, Jesus knows that at the core of our human desire, it is to be fully seen, deeply known, and loved just as we are, right? That's all we want. That's why friendship is the greatest love, because the friendship meets you there. It sees you. It knows you. It loves you just as you are. Now look at the value God places on friendship. He could have just said, I'm God, so I understand you. But that's not what he did, did he? It was out of love as a friend that he wanted to become like us to understand us and to let us know that we are deeply known through experience. The Bible says that Jesus limited his power voluntarily. All right, Hebrews We're going to skip around a little bit, starting in verse 14. Since all of these sons and daughters have flesh and blood, Jesus took on flesh and blood to be like them. Verse 17, therefore, he had to become like his brothers and sisters so that he could be merciful. We're going to come back to that in a second. Verse 18, because Jesus, because Jesus experienced temptation when he suffered, he's able to help others when they are tempted. Now, Hebrews 17 is crazy to me because it said he had to become like his brothers and sisters so that he could be merciful. Could God be merciful without coming in flesh and blood? Yes, he is merciful. That's who he is. It's part of who he is. But when you know what the person in front of you has been through, how deep is your empathy? How much more do you fully see and know them? 
How much more can you meet them as equals and let them know that they're safe with you because you get it? What does that say about how much he desires friendship with you? That he chose to be like you to understand you instead of just be saying, I'm God, I get it, because I'm God, right? So we're all at different stages of friendship with Jesus tonight. Some of you might have no concept of this at all. Some of you maybe know it really well and you're in the middle of it. Some of you have been walking with Jesus for a long time and need this refresher. Lord knows I needed this refresher, right? And I've been asking God for a while in the midst of my hard year and a half to two years, bring me back to my first love because I'm just not feeling it right now. Life is beating me up, and I know you're good, and I still love you, but where is that deep connection, that intimacy, that friendship, right? And he said, well, where were you when you knew me as friend, when you met me as friend? And I realized recently that I'm finding myself back in that place of loneliness. Maybe for some of you it's not feeling seen, undervalued, disappointed, hopeless, spiritually homeless. Maybe you've been betrayed. These are all places that God found me as friend. Jesus was my friend there. I would not know God the way that I do now if he didn't meet me as friend in those places that nobody else could. And the thing about loneliness is you don't I do. be alone to feel lonely. You could have the best friends in the world. Lord knows I do. You can have an amazing spouse. Lord knows I do. But there is a part of the human heart that was made specifically for Jesus. And only he can fill it. And sometimes we fill it, we try to fill it with really not great things. Sometimes we try to fill it with really good things, but they're not as good as Jesus. Sometimes we try to numb it, right? But then we're disconnected from God. Sometimes we need that stripping away, the reminder that truly, 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 nobody satisfies like Jesus. Nobody satisfies like Jesus. And there's an invitation tonight for you to know him as friend in this way, the one who hops down into the trenches with you, right? Who takes gunfire with you, doesn't try to fix it, just sits with you, holds your hand, lets you cry on his lap while he's just with you. And I'm telling you, the scripture is true. The nearness of God is your greatest and highest good. Some of you tonight, he wants to sit with you in your pain. And you need to learn to just be and let it happen. Some of you need to know that you're fully understood. Some of you need to know that he doesn't want you to impress him. Some of you need to know that he cares deeply about every thought that goes through your mind. All of your opinions, he cares. So tonight, as we go into the ministry time, we are going to have people up here to pray for you. 
But I challenge you to listen to the voice of your friend. Does he just want it to be you and him tonight? If so, take him up on that. servants anymore because servants don't know what the father is doing but we're friends and he laid down his life as a friend meeting us as an equal in flesh and blood wanting to seeking to understand before he seeks to fix Jesus, let us introduce you to him. If you don't know what it's like to have someone who never leaves you, never betrays you, never turns their back, never makes you feel unseen or unwanted or uncared for, Jesus is here tonight to fill that depth of your heart that is yearning for a friend. we could have the ministry team come up. We're just going to spend a little time in the presence of our friend. Whatever that looks like for you. If you want to stay in your seat or lay across the front. The floor is open. Because there's no judgment in true friendship. 